What is up, everybody, and welcome in to another live edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. For those who are not uh, currently aware, me and Frankie uh, have been doing this thing, going live uh, on the Sacktown Sports 1140 YouTube and Twitter pages every Thursday at around this time, 10 o'clock, to give you the news, uh, or the newest in Sacramento Kings uh news i don't know i don't know where i was going with it's that news um, but where's news <laughs> sure we go live every thursday at 10 o'clock uh to talk uh sacramento kings and to record uh our beautiful little podcast that we like to call the return of the roar podcast uh we are coming to you on this thursday following a nice little mini series uh that the sacramento kings had with the denver nuggets the uh current number two seed in the western conference the kings split the two games uh, Demona Sabonis doesn't play the first of the two uh, with a right thumb injury. It was a last minute decision or last hour, I guess, decision uh, whether or not he was going to play last night. Uh, and uh, he ended up playing to uh, to really a lot of people's surprise <clears throat> to nobody's surprise, though. Demona Sabonis, when he did play, absolutely showed up 30 points, 10, uh, 10 rebounds extending his NBA leading double double number. Uh, I don't know what that's currently sitting at. I just know that he leads uh he still is leading the NBA in double doubles. The man I think who 25 leads, 25 something like that. It's it's definitely I think so. That sounds about right. Uh you, the voice you're hearing for those not watching uh is my co-host as always Frankie Cardicelli. Frank coming off this nice little uh back to back against Denver. How you feeling? Christopher, everybody live in the YouTube chat, everybody listening at home. Happy Thursday, uh, rainy day, rainy Thursday. A lot of rain coming in, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it's it feels nice. You know, last night was a fun game. I asked everybody after the game that was around if it was the uh, the most exciting game this season. Obviously, you have the Orlando game. That game was a lot of fun for a lot of different reasons. Fox with the near half court buzzer beater, but. Uh, a game that the Kings really had no control of from the beginning. They just completely got ragdolled out of the gates and it seemed like it was going to be a laugher. I mean, Kings were down by 19, I think with three minutes left in the third quarter. Um, it just was one of those games that the Kings, they stole it. I mean, if you really think about it, they stole that game. They had no right to win that game. They didn't deserve to win the game, but they, as bad as they were defensively, they turned things around when they needed to most. And there are guys that came up big, of course, like Malik Monk, Sabonis, we're going to talk a lot about him. De'Aaron Fox with another good game on the homestand. But even the other guys like Davion Mitchell and Casey Paul, who had huge defensive possessions. Uh, if you watch the last three, four minutes of, of regulation, Davion Mitchell had uh, a lot of – he deserves a lot of credit for forcing turnovers because mm-hmm. Denver got sloppy down the stretch and the Kings capitalized. So uh, is, it a, is it a pretty win? No, but I mean that that win goes in like the others. The a couple of blowout wins the Kings had, they all count the same, and uh, it's a good feeling, especially after the fact that the Kings were uh, on the other side of things on Tuesday. They jumped out to a twenty point lead, and it seemed like they were uh, going to come out and, and punch the, the Nuggets in the mouth. But especially without Demonis Sabonis, but uh, Sabonis, he's back. The Kings are winning, and I'm feeling good today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. <clears throat> to your point, Davion and uh, Davion, who earned himself defensive player of the game chain last night, uh, I thought him and Casey Ogpala were, were the biggest uh, momentum flippers in that game last night. I mean, the Kings for for the entire game pretty much couldn't stop uh, the Denver Nuggets. And then in that fourth quarter, you saw Jordy Fernandez stick with uh, Davion Mitchell down the stretch. Casey Ogpala got a lot of minutes uh, in last night's game. And I think 
uh, just their defensive effort really was what ended up turning things around because, I mean, it it, it was very clear that uh, the Kings were not going to win that game unless they were finally able to figure out how to slow down the Denver Nuggets offense, which was just, I mean, I think they were shooting like 65% or something like that at halftime, uh, shot 70% in the first quarter. They just couldn't miss all night. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's a make or miss league and Denver was not making or was not missing anything. And, and for a while, the Kings couldn't make anything either. Um, a huge night for the Kings. I think we, it has to be mentioned uh, on the offensive end. I, 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 Frank, I cannot remember a time when I've seen three players go for 30 plus points um, in a game that, that, and that's exactly what happened last night. Demonis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, and uh, and uh, Malik Monk all finished with thirty plus points. Uh, Basketball Reference put out a great tweet after saying that uh, it was the first time since nineteen seventy one uh, that three Kings players had scored thirty plus in the same. Uh, the last three, which I, I I've heard of Otis Birdsong, but Phil Ford and Scott Wedman. Uh, um, I'm King's legend. I'm sorry, big fella, but uh, I'm I'm not familiar with your game. Uh, I I cannot speak. On, I cannot speak on any of those two. I've heard of Otis Birdsong because he holds a bunch of King's records. The slander. Five, but uh, yeah, the Otis Birdsong slander. But uh, yeah, so that just speaks to how incredible of a feat that was. I would have guessed that like maybe once during like that Demarcus Rudy Gay Isaiah Thomas season. Uh, it might have happened. I remember they were notorious for averaging uh, 60 points between the three. Um, that was but my I mean, thought, too. Yeah. Right. I don't know how that happened. Those three, right? Yeah. I mean, it it honestly is – it came out of – no, not came out of nowhere, but you – three players going for 30. I mean, and I think that I heard from someone that works with the Kings that it was the first time it's happened in the NBA in three years since uh, the Clippers did it. I think Kawhi – Paul George, not quite. It was it was Paul George, Lou Williams, and I think Montrez Harrell. That was the first. That was the first time in two years since that has happened. So uh, Malik Monk, who who came out and said on Tuesday he needed to be better, had to be better. He was better. Thirty three points. Uh, that is something that the Kings really needed, especially from a guy uh, that I think he was averaging nine points per game on thirty percent shooting coming into last night's action during the homestand. So. Uh, obviously, you want to see De'Aaron Fox keep his hot streak going. You want to see Demonis Sabonis continue uh, to be the All Star that he's been. But having that other guy, that other piece that can complement Fox and Sabonis, sometimes it's Harrison Barnes, sometimes it's Kevin Herter, uh, sometimes it's Keegan Murray. Last night it was Malik Monk, and he did it in a big way. Um, and that's something that he really needed, just just not just for the team, for himself to get going. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Monk has been that guy all year, though. I mean, you know, you mentioned that they they Sabonis needed help, Fox needed help. I mean, this is just to me just speaks to the depth. You never, I think, uh, I I I didn't get to hear the post game press conference because I had to do the recap show, but um, I'd heard Jordy say essentially something to the effect of that. That's what makes this this team so dangerous is that you have your two all stars in Fox and Sabonis. And then you just have that X factor guy that you don't know who it's going to be on a given night. Last night we saw, or I'm sorry, two nights ago, we saw Kevin Herter have his game. Uh, last night you saw Malik Monk with a 33 piece. It could be Harrison Barnes, who has also had a, a nice string of games here in December. Keegan Murray, you hope eventually could be that X factor guy. We've seen Trey Lyles have games like that. So, um, I mean, you know, it, it just speaks to the level of depth to this team. And, you know, it, it, 
I, I can't, it, last night was one of those where I, I'm again reminded of, of just the incredible depth of this team. And like, you know, the other day, I think it was the, the Laker game where they had the five, four starters uh, with 20 plus points and then uh, Sabonis with with the triple double. It's just like, I don't know, man. It, it, it really makes you think like is <laughs> we, we saw earlier in the season like this, this offense felt like it was something special, like it was a, a going to be a top five offense in this in this league guaranteed. And then we've seen them really struggle shooting the basketball these past couple weeks. Um, it's kind of almost been like a, couple, a, a month or so now um, that they haven't been able to hit, especially from the perimeter. But on a night like last night, you're just reminded of like just how explosive these guys can be and and to hang against that Denver team. That's one of I mean, Frank, I don't know about you, bro, but I do not want to play Denver for a long, long time after this little two game stretch. Like they're just so good. And Jokic causes so many problems for everybody. To me, the, the, the story of these two games for that I took out of this was Nikola Jokic is by far the best player uh, in the NBA right now. I mean, we saw Giannis in, in the matchup problems that he causes, but uh, just, you know, the, the gravity that Jokic has, he's really like a combination of like Shaq and LeBron James sometimes. Like he he's just so unstoppable when he gets in the paint, but then also to have his passing ability it's just like there's nothing you can do with do about him. Like the the Nuggets also at this point know how to play off of him. You see them just countless backdoor cuts that were killing the Kings all night. Uh, his screening ability. I mean, his, him and Bones Highland in the pick and roll. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to have nightmares about for the next couple weeks. Um, and and you know just just such an incredible team. And then not to mention Michael Porter Jr., who has 49 points over two two days. Um, just absolutely torch the Kings. Like I, I'm so good off of playing Denver for a while here now. Yeah, I'm 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 good off that as well. And they didn't even Jokic, have three of their rotation guys last night either. They're a problem. They're a problem. Like they're finally putting it together. I think this is a year they're they're actually going to be a dang, like one of the better teams in the West. I mean, the West is so close this year, and Denver has been the best team so far. And I don't see them really slowing down. I mean, last night the Kings are a, a good team. I mean, that's not just mm-hmm. us being homers. They're absolutely they are a team no, they really are. That, they're well they're well received around the NBA. They're a good team, and without Aaron Gordon, uh, without Bruce Brown, with right. uh, out Jamal Murray, they they came out last night and they almost beat a Kings team that was I won't say 100 percent because Sabonis is not 100 percent, but I, I think the Kings are are okay not playing them for a while, and it's gonna be a while before they do play them again. They play them on the last game of the season. That is the next time these two teams meet up. So uh, the Kings got their Nuggets fix in. <laughs> they split a two game set and I think they're okay with, um, you know, maybe facing a Denver team on the last game of the year. We'll see if that game even means anything mm-hmm. like that. Right. If depending on where these teams are and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, there, there's a chance that the Kings and Nuggets both don't have their, their mm-hmm. better players playing. And maybe it's a game. The Kings need a lot and maybe Jokic <laughs> is sitting. Who knows? So um, that's an advantage to me right there. It's nice. that The Kings have to play them for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Jokic too. It just seemed like every time he got the ball last night, he, and I think he finished. I have the, the numbers right here. He finished last night with forty points, forty-seven and, 20, and six, yeah, fifteen and twenty-four from the field. Um, I don't know if you have that shot plot in front of you, the shot by zone, but I guess the shot okay. zone. Uh, if we can look what Jokic did in and around the rim, shot seven of eleven inside the key, six of seven at the rim. So when he got the ball up in ten to fifteen yeah. feet, my heart just sunk. And when he got that last shot off, <laughs> I was just about to say that. I think the only time he missed was somehow the last shot or the second to last shot of the game 
for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so six to seven at the rim, that wasn't necessarily at the rim. That was somewhere in between. I think that was like a 10, 12 foot shot, but yeah, it was sh- like right in front of the free throw line. Yeah. But either way, seven of 11 in the key. I mean, one of those misses, you know, 65%, one of those misses was in the most crucial point in the game. And mm-hmm. it was a look that he knocked down several times already. So when he got that look and the Kings have been playing really good defense, but there's not much you can do about that. Like Demonis Sabonis tried to contest, but there really isn't that much <laughs> yeah. you can do. I mean, Jokic has the no. ball literally 13 feet it's in the from, air. It's up here, yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah, I rewatched the game once, like when I got home last night, and uh, specifically on the shot we're talking about the the second the the not the game winning attempt from three but the one mm-hmm. that was in the paint right before that yeah like domas completely uh, bones gets dribble penetration gets into the paint uh finds Jokic. i mean right in that spot where he is he has just been killing the kings all day uh right at the top of the key right in front of the free throw line and yeah sabonis flies out to him he honestly makes a little bit of contact with his chest you might have been able to call the foul there but um there was just it was it was going to be a a make or miss he's either going to make this heartbreaking shot or what ended up happening was he just he just clanked it off back rim uh carmichael dave in the chat uh, with with a good comparison saying uh that shot was equivalent to the marcus smart shot in celtics was very very (laughs) equivalent yeah that they hung on the rim and just i thought it was going down it literally hung on the rim that thing like bounced bounced hung and then fell off that's a great comparison and like it it was similar energy too because i remember uh that celtics game as well and like oh my gosh like it was it was to to the wire um yeah i mean that that was an incredible game last night but the the Um, the, shot i mean once that didn't go in i think did you feel a little more confident that the kings could could pick up a win because when that shot didn't go down and all the shots that were going down for denver earlier how they were shooting this the hell out of the basketball. They're 70%, 65% most of the game. When those shots late in the game started to not fall, and KCP Mm -hmm. uh, airballs a three after he'd had a decent going there, and and Jokic misses a shot that he's been shooting a high percentage at all night. When he missed that shot and the Kings got a chance to really – I mean, they had a chance to win the game at the time with like four or five seconds left. Did that kind of put that feeling of, okay, Kings are going to pull this out? Well, at that point, they still had to they still had to seal it because uh, because Jokic misses, misses that. There's two point eight seconds, I believe. Uh, Trey Lyles, Trey Lyles gets a great rebound on that on that miss, by the way, um, really skied for it, gets the rebound. And then honestly, at that point, I'm thinking it's going to overtime. I mean, I, there's not too many times where you think that the Kings are just going to nail a game winner. Uh, and, you know, they kind of didn't, if, if you don't mind us talking about that, that, uh, that final sequence there from Malik Monk, uh, it's about time. That's all I have to say about it. It is about time that the Kings finally got the right side of the whistle, uh, on that, on that inbounds pass with 2.8 seconds left. Malik Monk gets the ball in the corner. The first thing, literally the first thing he does is foul Contavious Caldwell Pope. Yep. He goes around, swim moves. Hits him with the hook, completely boxes him out, and then KCP, to his credit, times it clearly not perfectly, uh, but as close to perfectly as you can. Uh, comes around him, swats the ball from behind. Look, man, I am, in my opinion, he got all ball. I didn't see a whole lot of wrist. I didn't see a whole lot of arm being swatted. I think Contavious might have gotten all ball, and, and the Kings might have gotten away with it. I'm not going to complain about it. Like I said. 
we can literally go down the list of things that the Kings have been on the wrong side of this season, especially towards the end of game. Uh, th- the Kings deserve that one. <laughs> like, hey, hey, they, hey, man. They absolutely were due. To, to my and Jason Ross's favorite uh, quote, market correction. Uh, I kept telling him all, all year long when the Yankees were winning a lot, a market correction was coming. I mean, turns out I was right because they've had a horrible right. second half. But uh, it's been lopsided this year. The Kings have been getting killed on two-minute reports. They were bound to have a couple calls go their, I guess, missed calls go their way. And, yeah. I mean, that just kind of starts that that climb towards the middle. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. they've gotten God a couple times. And I think when you look at the two-minute report, which is going to come out today, probably like at 2 o'clock, yep. you're going to read that Malik Monk committed an offensive foul on KCP. KCP did not foul Malik Monk on the shot attempt. And you're also going to see the Trey Lyles, who, in my opinion, the play of the game, uh, play of the game was, first of all, Lyles probably shouldn't, I mean, I didn't love that shot selection, driving in the lane mm. and going right at the rack mm. with you know, 20 <laughs> seconds left, uh, 30 seconds left. But uh, him crawling back in bounds and still being half out of bounds and tapping the ball with Sabonis. Right. Great dunk. play, though. Heads Great up. play. Great basketball play. Not right. legal. He was out of bounds, but love to the see it. The best plays usually are illegal. Yeah, the best plays are illegal. <laughs> was, who was it a couple of years ago? I think it was KD. He was out of bounds take, in, in Golden State. Yeah, he was out of bounds t- saving a ball. And like, he, I don't know. There's, there's, there's many, many instances where that has happened. But last night, the Kings finally had the one where it was yep. like, oh, he wasn't in bounds at all. But just a spoiler. Keep your eyes peeled for the two-minute report because I'm sure <laughs> you're going to see some – if you want to drink some some Denver Nuggets fan tears, there there's going to be some uh, some uproar from that corner of the internet. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man, I, I mean, I guess this is a good way to kind of transition to Sabonis. Sabonis has that yeah. Big let's dunk. talk about the beginning of the game. Let's let me just start with we were sitting there and anyone that was around each other on media row, we were talking about what we thought is he going to play tonight. Uh, there were whispers that he wanted to play on Tuesday, but. Uh, he had to wait for the swelling to go down and he felt like he could play, but the training steps let's wait. Uh, it seemed like Wednesday in my mind was always going to be not assured, but a really good chance he was going to play last night. How afraid or not afraid, but I guess nervous were you seeing him come out for warmups with that tape on his hand? And did you think it was going to hinder his playing ability? Yeah. Uh, I was like a nine and a half on my, on my, out of 10 fear scale, uh, especially seeing the rap job. Like, I mean, I'm, I am by no means anywhere near a medical professional. Close. Um, You're close. I am. I am. I'm right there, buddy. Um, but it's, uh, it, it was alarming for me to see him come out with just like some pre-wrap and some, some bandage uh, around his hand, especially when you hear the severity of his injury and like, you know, pretty much saying his thumb is broken or whatever the, the ligament, what is, is it the ligament that attaches his thumb? It's the little bone. Not that, that you're connect- a doctor either, but. Oh, I'm not. My grandpa's a doctor. <laughs> that, that, that's oh, a, that's then you're just, fine. You're fine. You can give that's medical a, advice. That's a whole skit on Kerber. Doctor adjacent. If anybody's seen Kerber enthusiasm, this this kid's like nineteen. He's like, oh my dad's a dermatologist. I can I can diagnose you. Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather talk to your dad. Um, no, it's like the, the little bone that uh, it, the tendon connects to. So with that bone being broken, the tendon it's it's not it's working just like properly. Floppy. He's it's just not working. Yeah. Um, 
Um, and it's really taped up it, to his credit, you know, like he cannot move that thing. It looked like his thumb was getting no circulation at all. And like, it was completely cut off. So I can't speak to how much it hurt or not, but, um, I was definitely nervous that not only not, you know, not necessarily that, uh, you know, he would catch the ball and it would hurt or, you know, it would bang his thumb or something just with the physical nature of the way Sabonis plays and him going against Jokic, who's such like an awkward, like. You know, he's always flailing around, throwing it, and he's just a, a 280-plus-pound man. Uh, I just thought, you know, there was a good chance it would get his hand would get slapped or he would be trying to get physical with Jokic and, and bend his finger back or something. Something just weird, something Marvin Bagley-esque, where it's just like <laughs> I didn't even see that happen, but uh, but apparently it did, and now he's out for another two weeks or two months. Um but I was definitely nervous, and uh, I was very surprised to see him give it a go, especially after missing Tuesday. I just thought they were going to give him the the break off and then kind of reevaluate later. But on the same token, I, I thought it was going to be the Kings kind of put themselves in a weird situation where if he didn't play last night and didn't play on Tuesday, we were just going to get into this cycle of every single game being like, okay, well, he's still questionable tonight. The past two nights, that's meant no play. Does that mean tonight he's going to play? Does that mean that Friday? Are we getting closer? Uh, it's just kind of like the the weird nature of the fact that the Kings never officially, even in the Woj uh, bomb, if you want the Woj tweet, uh, it was, I mean, that was the biggest no, you know, no information tweet I've ever seen in my life where it's like, okay, Sabonis got tested. They... Or the results weren't inconclusive, but just they're they're still trying to figure out how the extent of the injury and if he will miss any, if any time. Yeah, it, it's it, just it, like okay. So what do you so, what are you even saying? So we don't he know may- if he's hurt, and we don't know if he how much time he's going to miss if he is going to miss any. It, so. it, I guess when you look at how he said it, and at the time it made complete like no sense to me, and I guess now it makes not sense but i can understand i guess how he didn't know how to correctly phrase it or word it as someone as at at woge just someone as woge at as big as woge couldn't find the words to like accurately depict what was going on he tried because i mean still there's a lot of vagueness to what is going on like there's just a lot of uh tiptoeing around it i mean even last night sabonis uh told jason anderson and the bees that I, I don't really know how, what i'm allowed to say but I just know I don't want to have surgery right now because, uh, <laughs> as I, I told you off off uh, the air just this morning, our friends at the Athletic they they revealed that uh, Sabonis, uh, it would take four to six weeks if he has surgery to recover to get back on the floor, and that's why to me and I I figured you know just based off things you're reading again not doctors but thing, things that we were reading about that process it does take about a month plus to recover and if the Kings were going to keep saying. Okay, he's questionable tonight. Okay, he's out. If they're going to keep kicking that can on, like down the road, why not just get him right? Right. And try to stay, I don't know, tread water for a month. That seems like it's impossible. I mean, not impossible, yeah. but a very unlikely scenario. The Kings really need Demonis Sabonis to be truly effective. And yeah, as well as they play on Tuesday without him, uh, and as bad as it looked for most of the game last night, I know that that beginning was an outlier because the Kings have been a good team with Sabonis on the floor. But, um, as far as how I felt, uh, 
he looked good. I mean, he, he looked like he was comfortable. He did mention that he, uh, post game, he was not able to play defense like he normally does. He said he was using his chest a lot on Jokic, so his chest was sore because he had to use his body rather than use his right hand. So he's like, yeah, my chest hurts. Uh, but that's something he's going to have to get used to. I mean, he, he has his left hand and he has uh, part of his right hand and he has the rest of his body. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. still really effective with basically half a hand and the rest of himself. So 12-18 um, from the field. Hits both three-pointers. The shot is not affected. I mean, again, it's not his dominant hand. Uh, Ten boards, five assists, and 31 points. I mean, that's Demonis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. So I really don't think it's something that I'm, I'm really concerned about. I think it's it's going to come down to swelling. If he can keep the swelling down, yeah. if he can keep that uh, under control, which, I mean, I know he will. The Kings have do have a good training staff, and he gets his treatment for an hour after every game. Um, I think he's going to keep playing. I think where the Kings are right now this season, how – this is the most exciting they have been in almost 20 years. This is the best they've been in almost 20 years. And they're in a position to make the, the playoffs, not the play in their position to make the playoffs with how the Western conference is shaping up and how we're almost halfway through the season here. I think Demona Sabonis missing any time would be pretty devastating to what the Kings are trying to build. I mean, do you feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like you said, like they look good on Tuesday. They, they definitely surprised the hell out of me. I didn't expect them to come out and, and, and at any point in that game, be up 20 points, regardless of how, how it ended up playing out. Um, and yeah, the, it's, it's funny. The fact that it's a bonus back. Uh, and then they, they were down 15, 20 that entire game. Um, but it was just so clear. I mean, it's no surprise to anybody that this team is so much better with Demonis Sabonis on the floor. I mean, he he's just such an incredible talent. Like you cannot, you just can't replace any any level of production that he brings. Uh, yes, in that Tuesday game, I think uh, Jordy made it, made a point to point out that uh, the bigs that replaced Domas had a combined, I think it was twenty one points, twenty rebounds, or something like that. So. Um, it wasn't like, you know, stats wise, they, they really missed him, but just the impact on the floor, the fact that last night he plays 38 minutes against the best center in the NBA, maybe in, <laughs> the best center in the world right now. Um, it, it really goes tick for tack with him. I mean, Jokic, yeah, he had 40 points, but um, Domas with one, like you said, with one and a half hands um, put up 31 and 10 against him and, and really played great defense on him. I thought, um, to go back to his hand and just the the amount that he's using it, watching the game back, especially on TV where you get the benefit of you know close up replays and stuff like that, I was shocked at the amount that he was using his right hand. I mean, you see, he you you mentioned how he said he was using a lot of his chest. I saw a couple of possessions, especially down the stretch of the game, which I'm sure at that point he's not thinking at all about further injuring his hand at all. But towards the end of that game he's sticking that right hand into Jokic all the time, like just trying to strip the ball and everything. And it's just like, I mean, just, just the amount of toughness because you know, this injury is for the most part, a pain tolerance thing for him to, to be going out there is just like, it's, it's really incredible to see. And I don't think people uh, should take for granted how special what he's doing is right. Or what he did last night was because, uh, for a lot of people, like you're you're sitting out. I mean, what I think Chris Paul had this same injury last year, and I think you were the one who told me that he missed like two months or something. Or Jason, yeah. Jason Ross told me that he missed two months with it. Um, like this is not something that you just casually play through, and it, it's no big deal. Like this guy is incredibly tough, and for him to not miss, a, like he didn't miss a beat last night, and he's playing with w- one hand. Uh, 
uh, just like just an absolute monster. Some, and like we're so point, we're so scored, fortunate. Most points scored in a game. Most points is it really? Game. This is this is a season high. This this year season high. Yeah, with the, wow. with the first game back after the hand issue. Yeah, it's that's incredible. That is incredible. I didn't know that. Doing something special, man. Doing something special. Yeah. I mean, he he's high fiving teammates with the right hand. I saw. I mean, not really right. hard, but he he he's he's yeah he's using his right hand. I saw yeah. he's taking in the in the passing lane a couple times. Uh, Post game, I mean, just seeing it up close, like in, in the locker room, looked looked fine. Didn't look like it was all mm-hmm. purple and beat up. Didn't look like it was gonna fall off. Uh, it looks like he's he's uh, gonna keep playing. <laughs> Brendan says because Chris Paul isn't Lithuanian. <laughs> Lithuanian Look. lasagna. We got Kings Pulse in the chat. No, um, such a terrible nickname. Um, I like it. What we're talking it. about, you, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like what, lasagna, Lithuania and lasagna. Like lasagna is Italian. Like that's the, why it's funny. <laughs> it's like saying I, I, like yeah. Greek. There is <laughs> there there is Greek pizza. I think isn't there? There's like such thing as Greek pizza. I wish is there I was Greek pizza like that. I honestly don't know. I've never. I don't know. I don't um, know. I'm, I'm sure there is. Um, I was gonna look it up, but it's not worth it. We'll there's, say I'm, it is. I'm sure there's a concoction out there called Greek pizza. But um, what do you got, what do you got in your brain? Dominant. I I I was uh I I just wanted to uh, while we we're talking about dominance as well, bring up De'Aaron Fox, who you know I mean I think De'Aaron was getting uh was getting a lot of not hate, but just I you know it, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Let's just talk about De'Aaron's game. Nah, sound off, Chris. <laughs> I sound just, off. You know, Go off. Me and Brendan. Me and Brendan were talking after after last night's game, and uh, you know, he was telling me how uh, there's a lot of Kings fans in his mentions. And granted, this is Twitter, and uh, we all know that you have to take social media hate with a grain of salt because it doesn't represent the entire fan base. But there was just a lot of people in Brendan's mentions who. Are, are still blaming things primarily on De'Aaron Fox and especially early in tonight's game when, when you know, he didn't, uh, he was, you know, he, he got off to a slow start as did pretty much the entire team. Um, just we're, we're not happy with De'Aaron Fox and uh, for him to really, you know, kind of get things together in that second half, uh, finishes off with 17 points in that second half, finishes uh, with, I think, 31 points. Is that correct? 31 uh, points, 13 yes, assists in last night's game. I thought he was incredible on the offensive end. Defensively, we did mention how uh, how Bones Highland did give him an incredibly tough time. But um, I honestly attribute a lot of that to the fact that People don't realize this, but, you know, especially when you see him in person, Nikola Jokic is just like the biggest person, one of the biggest people you will ever see in your life. And Darren Fox is not. Darren Fox is a very slender guy. And it's I saw Trey Lyles struggle to get. It's just like Jokic. You have to literally go around him like you can't fight through him. There's no like sneaking by you have to it takes like two to three steps to get around the man uh so I think that that was a big reason why De'Aaron struggled and you know had a tough time keeping bones uh out of the paint but uh De'Aaron played great offensively last night and he was really I mean we we talk about uh I think was it on this podcast where we were talking about uh De'Aaron De'Aaron Fox is a possible um clutch player of the year candidate Mm -hmm. I mean, he was just incredible down the stretch of last night's game. In the fourth quarter alone, has 15 points. Uh, he was six of seven from the field in the fourth quarter. 
just was was borderline unstoppable. I mean, hitting hitting mid range jump shots like their layups. What what just what what were your thoughts on De'Aaron Fox last night? I mean, yeah, I mean the criticisms that come with Fox. I mean, if, if fans expect him to just score, I mean every time he has the ball in his hands, that's just not who he really is. I mean, he's more than that, which speaks to who he is. I mean, De'Aaron wasn't scoring a lot in the first half, but I think he had six or seven assists. He had seven assists at the break. He did. So he was distributing. He was finding his teammates. And when they needed him to score and he had to be that guy in the fourth quarter, guess what? He was. 15 points, six of seven shooting from the field, makes the only three that he takes. He hit big shot after big shot down the stretch. And they weren't like layups. They weren't in transition layups. They were jumpers. They were step back baseline jumpers, um, step in 15 footers with less than a minute to go. He was clutch and De'Aaron Fox is clutch. We know him to be that guy. And when he wants to step out and do more, and that's one of the biggest things I think people get on about the, the Halliburton trade is Fox can't distribute like he can. Okay. Well, on a night where he yeah. is, you want more from him offensively. Okay. Well, you got that too. He scored 15 in the fourth yep. quarter. He scored 10 plus points in three straight games in the fourth quarter. So I don't know what more people want from him uh, in, in as far as being realistic goes. But when you look at what Fox has done this homestand, five games, 28 and a half points, 57% from the field, four rebounds and five and a half assists. And he's playing the best defense he's played this season. I mean, of, of his career this year, this is the best we've seen Fox play defense. I don't really know what else you want from him. I mean, what more can you get from De'Aaron Fox right now? I mean, do you want him to be, like an elite three-point shooter. I mean, he's yeah. above, he's 35% this year. That's that's not bad. I mean, I think he shot, what, 22% from three last year? I, I just don't know what mm-hmm. more people want from him. And yeah, go, please, what do you got? No, I mean, <clears throat> I just completely agree. Like, I mean, it's it's just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reading Brendan in the comments. Uh, oh, look, the skates. The skates. I mean, we, we don't need to talk about the skates, but... <laughs> Jeez. Uh no, I mean Tieran has been, in my opinion, like he he's been incredible this year. I think um what what we saw from him last night is just like that's that's that Star Fox stuff where I, I me and Brendan also on on the uh, King's Pulse podcast last week went through our our all-star bids. And I think De'Aaron is like just on the outside looking in and, and maybe he could make it as an injury replacement. But like this dude is it has played a has been a top uh, what I mean, I was going to say top 10, but that doesn't even really feel like a compliment. He's been a top six or seven guard in the Western Conference this year. And that's a little bit, I mean, that might not sound like a lot, but really when you think about the depth <clears throat> of that position and the fact that, you know, De'Aaron is, is really sharing a lot of the spotlight with Demonis Sabonis. I think he's been incredible, especially considering that such a huge criticism of him with playing off of Tyrese Halliburton or was the fact that he couldn't play off of Tyrese Halliburton. The fact that he's been able to figure out how to play more off ball, play off of Demonis Sabonis. And obviously I just think it's a, it's a better fit between the two because he can use Domas in the pick and roll as well. But uh, you know, I, I just think, that I like you said, I don't know what people are expecting from De'Aaron. Like he's not going to make every single shot. He's not going to be a three point marksman. But the fact that he's able to do these things, like you know, he he's one of the best finishers at the rim in this league, point blank period. Uh, and you know, the fact that he's starting to knock down a three point shot, we've seen him. He hit a corner three last night at an incredibly clutch time in the game. Like he he, we have not seen De'Aaron Fox play this well. 
offensively be this well-rounded uh, in his career. And the fact that, you know, we're seeing him hit those clutch time buckets and, and have the confidence to hit that, uh, that, you know, what was it? A 23, 24 footer uh, at the top of the key to really ice the, or not ice the game. But uh, I think that put them up too with whatever under a minute left. Like, I mean, that's, that's, incredible stuff for a guy who's supposedly not a top guard in this league like show you show me a top guard in this league and I'll show you what De'Aaron Fox has done at points and yeah absolutely Sass is totally right like consistency is a really big part of it but consistently De'Aaron Fox has came up clutch for the Kings like granted he hasn't been you know 25 plus points every single night but when the Kings really really need somebody De'Aaron Fox has always been there to answer the call. And it's really been that way since his rookie season. Like, I think, like, Frank, would you classify De'Aaron Fox as a clutch, as a bona fide clutch player? Yeah. I mean, I, we, there are there are multiple instances of him having a big shot. I mean, I, I don't even need to re- – the Philly game when he was a rookie, the the heat dunk, the Hornets game, uh, Brooklyn hit a buzzer beater and sent him to overtime a couple years ago. Um, there are, are – so- shot. There's so many, there's so many games where he has come up big for them. And some games, even that, that blend in where he's had big shots, but the defense is broken down. So looking at the consistency part of it. Yeah, I understand that. But when you look at this season as a whole, he has had one five, six game stretch where he was, has played bad. And it was right before he went into that two game break. Cause it was foot and he got that rest. And since he came back, he's been back to a 25, 26 point per game scorer and doing it efficiently. So Aside from the fact that he played hurt for a week and a half, and I don't want to use that as an excuse. I know he won't either because he he wouldn't be out there if he wasn't if he didn't feel good enough to play. But he has been an all-star type player. And again, like you said, the West is very, very deep this year. Uh, as far as the guards go, Luca's being lumped in as a guard, and he's been playing just out of his freaking mind lately. Uh, no comment. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to be in there probably. I mean, he's someone who deserves mm-hmm. to be there. Uh, so maybe Fox will not make that that aspect of, of, you know, that aspect of the success he's looking for of the season might not happen, but he fits the bill. He fits mm-hmm. the bill with his, his, to me, consistent clutch effort that he puts out every night when the Kings need him. Like you said, he d- gets it done when he wasn't scoring early in the game, got those buckets late when they mattered more. And that just speaks to me how valuable he is to this Kings team and how good of a fit he is with Sabonis. Uh, I just think that he's somebody that deserves I mean, again, I know it's kind of crazy to say a little bit more credit. I mean, yeah. I don't know what more you want from him. Um, it's it's like the uh, the uh, Isaiah Thomas thing when he was talking about the dream team. I I what I fit the qualification. fit the criteria. I fit the criteria, the criteria, but I wasn't selected. But I wasn't selected. Yeah, he might not be selected no. this year. Uh, why he, should Shea Tyler? Why out. should Why should Shea get him uh, with his team under five hundred? Um, I mean, Chris, it's definitely a good question, but Shea Gilgis Alexander is also fourth in the NBA right now in points per game. So, oh, series going, series, <laughs> series on it, series trying to figure it out too, Tyler. I said uh, Shea, I mean, Siri. Shea is averaging thirty-one points per game. Uh, he's shooting fifty percent from the field, a, over a steal and a half per game, a block per game. Uh, Shea has been absolutely incredible, and the only reason Oklahoma City is even half decent, which they don't want to be, is because of Shea Gilgis Alexander has put the team on his back. And uh, you know, it's you it's also like, yeah, it, it's an all star game, and like, 
if you're going to put Sabonis in for the Kings, it's kind of like you can either have the Kings get a second player, which they definitely might deserve. But um, I just feel like Shea Gilgis Alexander is having a, a step above a season from of then De'Aaron Fox. And it just so happens he's on a really garbage team. You could have people were making the same arguments for why is DeMarcus Cousins making the all-star game. It's really pretty much the same exact kind of thing where it's like yeah. this dude is just so incredible that it's not his fault that he's on a really crappy exactly. team, even considering that OKC's only four games under 500. I'm not going to say that they're going to get any closer to 500 than that, but the fact that they're, they have a better record than the Los Angeles Lakers right now, we know that's not saying too much, but a lot of that, or, or a majority of that is because Shay, Shay, Shay oh my gosh, I'm going to take a breath here. Shay Gilgis Alexander has been incredible. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't keep him out. I mean, that, that makes us hypocrites if we say, you know, DeMarcus Cousins deserved to be an all-star those couple years, and and Shea doesn't. But uh, I will say this. If De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox, there's an avenue. I mean, injuries happen. Players sit out. Uh, players have, have opted to sit out more over the past couple of years. But De'Aaron would be a very exciting player in the all-star game. This his pace, mm-hmm. uh, his athleticism. He's really been kind of digging into that athletic bag this year. Like, he's been dunking more. Bro, he tried to throw down on homeboy last night. Oh my god, that was out he of really nowhere. <laughs> almost killed somebody last night. So, um, stop justifying it. We heard the same thing when Conley got chosen for Fox a few years ago. We didn't deserve it because his team was winning. Thoughts mm. on that, Chris? Mm, I heard the same thing when Conley got chosen over Fox a few years ago uh, when he didn't deserve it because his team Wait. was winning. I mean. First off, De'Aaron Fox never should have made an all-star game before this season. I, I don't think he, he ever deserved an all-star nod before this season. Mike Conley also, I mean, <laughs> I he never, I he never made it. Day, right? He, he, he did. Made he made it as an injury replacement once, which I was going to say, oh, he did. it does kind of feel like, unfortunately, De'Aaron's might end up falling under the same category, which is kind of ironic because that was Mike Conley was De'Aaron's pro comp all throughout the, his his draft process so um it would be a little ironic if De'Aaron kind of ends up in that same category of like never making the all-star game but always being like he's an all-star caliber point guard um so I could definitely see that being the case and maybe he makes it off of uh injury replacement I you know yeah I I don't I I I hear you. I don't, Look, I just, you know, if you're going to yeah. be on a winning team also like that matters, it, it just does like you're, you're, you're sac- It's the sacrifice. Like Mike Conley maybe was averaging 14 points a game that season. I don't, I don't even know what that it was, was. Then, it been 16, but like it, it's, it's flowers, the fact though. that you're sacrificing, you're sacrificing. It's flowers. Be on a better team. The NBA was giving Mike also Conley that. his flowers. That is the only time he's made an all-star game. It was that year. It was 2020, 2021. They were giving him his yep. flowers and yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Fox did play pretty well like two years ago. I think he averaged 25 a game and deserved to be an all-star. Yeah. But the, the Kings, it was kind of like the Cousins aspect of it, where the Kings were not good, and Cousins was great a couple of those years before he was an all-star. So, um, yeah, I think that De'Aaron Fox could squeak in as an injury replacement, but I think right now there just are too many guards. But, I mean, the all-star talk is fun, and I enjoy the all-star talk, but, I mean, I don't think De'Aaron Fox gives a damn about making the all-star team. I think he'd rather have the Kings be winning basketball games, and that is something he's said before. He wants to win uh, a game in February to get some recognition. That's great, but the Kings being where they are right now in the standings, the Kings uh, continue to compete at a high level, that's more important. I think it should be more important to the fans and be more important to the players as well because, yeah, being in Salt Lake City would be great for De'Aaron Fox. He deserves that recognition. He has earned it. But if it becomes a, a case of one king should make it, 
it, it, it's going to be it's going to be Sabonis. If it's going to be one or the other, it's going to be Sabonis. I think that's something that is pretty widely known. I mean, even guys that were from national media last night were saying that if it's one, it's going to be Sabonis. So um, it's not well, something it's not, that I'm really too worried about. I mean, and it's also just like a numbers game. Like it's just the fact that there's so many more elite guards in this league like you look at i mean john morant's gonna make the all-star game based off of fan votes and the fact that his team is is really good uh devin booker is gonna make the all-star game even though he's gonna miss a month here i'd i'd still assume he's gonna make the team luka Doncic is ten thousand percent going to make the all-star team steph curry you know when he was playing was absolutely deserving of an all-star he's gonna miss a month or so here so he might not make it but i would say he's statistically and you know value wise probably more important to the Warriors success than than Fox is to the Kings at the moment like it's just and then Shea Gilders Alexander who we we've been having this conversation about it's it's just going to be such a tougher road for him where Sabonis really only has to worry about Jokic DeAndre Ayton uh let me look here is there really anybody else that could be maybe Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and that's yeah. really kind of yeah. it when you're looking at like the center position. But, you know, I think they've also consolidated it to not even include centers. I think it's just two front guards court. and three forwards. Right. Three front court. Yeah, hey, it's possible. It, it's it, am I going to sit here and say that it's impossible that Fox and Sabonis can both make it? Absolutely not. I think there is a there is a possibility that it happens. Like you said, there are some injuries. There are some injuries. Maybe Damian Lillard chooses to sit out the all-star game because he's someone that likes to keep his body right, especially with everything he's gone through. There's a there's an avenue. So people that are really freaking out about Fox has to make the all-star team like it. Jeez. And I'm people's, he really does not care as much as you think he does. I really promise you. He does not. He would love it. He is not going to cry. Like, yeah. I mean, all-star games aren't like Rudy Gobert. He's not going to cry like Gobert did. It's really crazy that, I mean, yeah, like all-star games, it's whatever. It's just like, it, it's not as important as making all NBA third team or something like that. You know, like all-star is kind of, it's just a, it's just a way to get paid more. I think for, for advertising stake. And like, you can say like, Oh, I'm a two-time all-star. Like it's a, it, I would it's much rather be a two-time third team, all NBA than all-star. Yeah, focus on that. Whatever. Focus on that should be the goal. Right. That should be the goal being all NBA right. and all-star that's gravy. And if it happens, it happens. But if not, uh, I'm I'm more worried about the Kings winning basketball games. So, Absolutely. As uh, Frank, this would not be a current Sacramento Kings uh, podcast if we did not continue to uh, talk about the Kings' backup center position. We have come full circle. We have Rashawn Holmes back in the rotation at backup center. Last night, zero points, one rebound. He did have two blocks. He had a steal. Um I didn't think it was really anything to write home about. I don't think Rashawn cemented his his position at at the backup center on Tuesday night. He had a much better game. He played, uh, I believe, twenty minutes um, without without Demontis Sabonis in the game. He had eight point seven rebounds in that one. How do you feel about Rashawn's little uh, return to the rotation here? Do you feel like, or and do you feel like he? You know, not not will he? I'm not asking you pr- to predict, but. Do you feel like he he deserves to uh, to maintain that that backup center position for the time being? I I mean, to me, it's who's the best backup. I mean, he's the best backup big that they have. I I think that 
until they make a move and until they really have to figure things out on that end, he should continue to get those minutes. I mean, it's not that many minutes when you think about it. Demonis Abonis has been playing a lot of minutes this season. and Played 38 last night. While Mike Brown has said he does not want that to continue, I just think that Rashawn Holmes has proven he can be a Band-Aid while you have Sabonis rest. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to see Nemeas Keita come out and, and, and be the player that we want him to be. He so far has proven that he he struggles with. Uh, I mean, defending at the NBA level has been tough. Uh, controlling the basketball has been tough. Um, staying out of foul trouble has been a problem for a lot of the Kings' bigs off the bench this year. But Rashawn is somebody I think that has has earned that right. And it's kind of crazy how it's come full circle. We're back where we were on opening night. It's Simonos yep. to Holmes uh, through Metu, through Kada, through Lyles for for a minute. Um, am I forgetting anybody? Len hasn't really had an opportunity yeah, to be back Len up got center. One chance, but yeah. It's most of been most have been Chemezi playing back up center and, and Rashawn and Kada. So mm-hmm. um it, it just it's going to take a trade. Like really for this team to be where, where they need to be. Uh they need to get a defensive big. They need to, to probably acquire one by February if they really want to make some noise, but or well not make noise. They're gonna be in the, the conversation for the playoffs mm-hmm. as we know, but to to succeed, they need more defense. The paint was a was a, a crime scene yesterday. It was I don't know what how it ended, but it started horrifically. It was very very bad. Uh, the Kings have struggled all year to defend defend the paint. I think they're one of the bottom five teams in the league in in point um, points in the paint defense. But I mean, when you look at what you need from a backup center, Rashawn Holmes, we've seen we can do in a starting role. Can he be that guy off the bench? I don't think so. I don't think you need him to be that though. But hopefully, he can kind of dig back into those days of Phoenix and provide the Kings with 10, 11 minutes per game off the bench. But um, do you think this is something that the Kings are going to roll with until the deadline? Or do you think they're going to try to make a trade sooner than later? Yeah, it kind of feels like they're going to make a trade sooner than later. I think the fact that they've gone full circle here now and, and, you know, Rashawn, unless, you know, I think they're going to give Rashawn a couple more games here. I think it's in the benefit of both of them, because like you mentioned, if Rashawn can find his old form, obviously that's great for the Kings. It's also good for Rashawn Holmes' trade value because it shows like, hey, this guy is not damaged goods. Good point. A fluky start to the season or whatever you want to say, but uh, we just don't have a role for this guy. He absolutely still has the talent. He still has the desire. He still has some game left in him desire him please um i think it's in the benefit of both of them and and if they kind of send him back to the bench it's just tough to sell like 11 million dollar or thir- whatever 33 million dollar dude three. over the next three years just take him to be you know he he can't start for us but hopefully take the chance and you can spend you know 33 mil to try and figure it out on your own um i think it's definitely beneficial for the kings to try and figure out the rashawn Holmes situation. And with the way that Nemeus Keita came in and looks still incredibly raw, um, not quite the player that that they need right now. I mean, I think the ideal version or the, you know, the the fully full-fledged version of Nemeus Keita maybe is a guy that that the Kings could definitely use at backup center right now. But uh just with how raw he is, I I I don't think Nemeus is the answer. Um Metu, we saw get about 15 to 20 games here. We saw some good. We saw some eh, stuff from from Metu, and I think um, at the end of the day, it's just like he's he's just not he's just not the answer. Um, you know, he he doesn't rebound enough. He doesn't set good enough screens. He's not really a rim protector at all. 
Um, and I think those are the the three main things that the Kings are looking for in that backup big is just somebody that you don't have to be the incredible playmaker that Domas is, but can we continue, can you still create space for others? And can we run similar concepts while you're in? Whereas like Rashawn Holmes, he comes in and really all it is, is, is pick and roll with him. And we've seen now throughout this season, if he's not getting the ball as that role, man, he really struggles to like find his game and kind of stay active uh, in, throughout the game. So I think this is just a long way of saying that I think until further notice, until the Kings find a, a better answer, I think Rashawn is the most talented uh, option that they have. I think, you know, Rashawn is for sure one of the 10 best players on this team and probably deserves to get playing time. It's just for whatever reason, he just has not looked good offensively or, or defensively. And, and Brendan brings up a great, I'm sorry, Kings Pulse brings up a great point here. Maybe he has too many thumbs. Maybe maybe we've seen Damanis Sabonis point. have this nice little boost from, from losing half of a thumb uh, or full thumb. People aren't uh, talking about that enough. People yeah. aren't talking. No. I mean, that's what, I mean, sorry to out Brendan. King's polls revealed who could it be? Right. Sorry. Sorry. Um, no, I, I think that you crater his value even more. If you, you bury Rashawn on the bench, I've never really understood that point. I know that Mike Brown wants to try different things, but um, it's like the Thanos quote, like, where did that bring you back to me? It's like, yeah, it brought you back to Rashawn. <laughs> going, going, going through, going through everything and failure brought you back to me. And Rashawn is back as the backup center. And if he can run into a couple of good games here over the next month, I mean, yeah, that, that could bump up the trade value a little bit. I mean, it's still probably going to take the Kings attaching an asset to to get rid of him. Not get rid of him, but get him – well, I guess get rid of him. You have to get bring value him back trade. for him. Get value back for him is the respectful way to say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I know that people want P, the, the P.J. Washingtons and uh, the Plumleys. The plum I mean, yeah, the Plum Dogs. <laughs> There's I mean, quite literally – Hey, if we could flip Rashawn and something else for P.J. Washington and Plum Dog Millionaire, it would be Monty for Masterclass. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, either of those guys to me as a backup center would be would be great. And PJ has the ability to even start in a pinch. I mean, he's been someone that's been uh, a good scorer for for Charlotte and someone that could help because he's young. So, what will it take for the Kings to move Rashawn? I don't know. Um, I mean, I think I think I saw a couple of trade ideas out there that were saying the Kings might have to attach someone like like TD or some uh, another player. Um, I know that some teams might want Davion if it was going to mean a bigger deal. That would be tough to see the Kings part with him. He's been such a huge defensive, um, just a huge part of the team's defensive success over the, the past couple of games, um, especially late, but it might take something tough. It might take, you, know, you have to give up to, you have to give up a lot to get a lot sometimes. And if the Kings want to really make an upgrade, it might sting a little bit. We've seen that happen before, obviously in, in a big way with the trade that took place last February. So, uh, Right now, this is what it is, though. I mean, the Kings have they have they have slim pickings. They have Holmes, they have Metu, they have Len, they have Kata. Those are the only guys that can play backup center. I didn't really enjoy the Trey Lyles experience uh, at backup center. I know he had a couple of good possessions on Jokic, but that's not really a winning formula. Throwing Trey Lyles at backup center. Just I have point. a semi rhetorical question about uh about the PJ Washington thing, and it is kind of PJ Washington specific. I. Just think, Kings fans have gotten have just ran away with this PJ Washington love. Um, and my question is, if PJ Washington is so great, and I do think PJ Washington is a very interesting young piece that you can mold into something. Absolutely, I mean, you can't teach his size and shooting ability, but he's twenty four years old. 
We've seen him put up a lot of points for, for Charlotte at points. Charlotte has nine wins this year. Why? Why is Charlotte? It's kind of like the John Collins thing. Why is Charlotte so quick to want to move PJ Washington, a 24 year old stretch four, uh, when they have nine wins? Like, wouldn't you think that that would be the exact kind of project and piece that you would want to retain or, or just say like he's untouchable or have a huge amount of value towards if if he was really something that should be desired? And like yeah. I said, semi, semi-rhetorical. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm more just trying to plant a further question in people's yeah. heads. But might might be posturing on their part a little bit. Might, might be also trying to put up a facade to see what they can, what kind of offers they get for him. He is a restricted free agent after the season. Like you said, 24. He just turned 24 in August. So I don't think it makes much sense either to move on from somebody who has is, been is one of your best younger players. But um when when the formula is not working, you got to kind of go back and start from scratch. Yes. And they might need to kind of tear things down and build back up. I mean, this team is not good. They're a very bad, even with their players fully healthy. And yeah, they they beat the Kings, and that was one of the Kings' worst losses of the season. The Hornets sure. do have some guys that are are good players, but they obviously aren't going to be a team that's in the deep playoff discussion. So mm-hmm. PJ is someone who probably will bring you back the, a best return, and that's why I'm saying the the return from the Kings. I think. Rashawn and like a future first or a, a second or something. It's going to take something a little more than that to, to get someone yeah. like PJ Washington. And it might be a little painful. And I, like I said, I would not really feel comfortable attaching Davion on a deal like that, but that's something I could see the Hornets actually asking for. They are not, mm-hmm. they would not give up a young player with control for an overpaid center at this point. Right. I just don't know just if that's going to gonna happen. Right. It, it doesn't make sense. The name is great. Uh, I know the Kings I think they were linked to him briefly last year. That's why I think mm-hmm. people go back to him a lot. But um, there's also a scenario where the, the Hornets really just stand pat and they say, no, thanks. We'll take our chances with the 24 year old. So we're getting Victor anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're getting Victor anyway. So I, I think if they're to me, it's not going to be one of the guys that the Kings have been linked to. It'll be one of those dark horse players that we haven't right. heard from very much. And some players might not even be mentioned yet. I mean, again, the West is so close right now and even the east race I mean, there are so many things that need to be determined over the next month or so and the teams that are truly going to be tearing it down have not made that decision yet Mm-mm. i mean so we're going to see some names float around that aren't floating around today but the kings need to number one survive this time with sabonis treating that thumb and yeah. sur- survive the minutes that he's on the floor because sabonis with one hand right now is still a damn good player so mm-hmm. Rashawn Holmes and whoever else steps into that role needs to they need to do a lot more than what they're, they're currently doing. And what Rashawn did on Tuesday was um, that's to me an, an ideal sign. an ideal yeah. output that you'd want from him. What he did on yeah. Tuesday is if you could do that, you know, nine times out of ten. We're not. I'm sorry. Let's not. Let's not aim that high. Let's go five times Seven. out of ten. Six <laughs> yeah. times out of ten. If you could do that more times than not, the Kings are going to be in a good place when uh when Sabonis yeah. is resting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just I, and like it's a question too now of like with Simonis's injury, when do they do it? Because we've seen Monty take his sweet time when it comes to deals. Um, his first off season or first uh, regular season here, first trade deadline, we saw him push it all the way to the brink, and I don't think he made any or no, he he did make a couple like fringe moves his first uh, trade deadline, and then last season we saw him just wait almost until like the last moment 
And then we saw the Halliburton trade. We saw the Trey Lyles deal, Marvin Bagley getting shipped off and all that. Um, so it came in bunches. And it's just, I think, to your point that you made um, right there, it's like there's so many teams that are in this middle ground of like the Kings are only three games back from the 11th seed right now. And that's the Minnesota Timberwolves who are without Carl Anthony Towns. And so there's a real good chance that at some point here, a lot of people, it's just going to naturally happen where they're going to figure out, okay, which, which side of the scale are we going to go for? Are we going to try and go into that play and push or do we just completely tank it? And that's not going to happen for maybe another month or so here. And as we're on December 29th, that puts us right in February, which is, which is right before the trade deadline. So I think it's just going to be a matter of these teams still, you know, you you'll have your, that's maybe where the Charlotte Hornets, uh, deal would make more sense to happen immediately because Charlotte is pretty firmly in that tanking category. But um, I, I just don't I don't foresee any deal happening anytime soon, even with uh, Domas's injury, just because of the oh, just because of the fact that uh, that they they're not you know not a lot of teams are trying to tank at the moment, and it's going to be a good amount of time for these teams to figure out. Okay, like we're fine shipping off let me pick some random player this is not going to happen but Anyeka Kongwu or something like that you know Clint Capella uh the the Pacers aren't going to ship off Miles Turner and or Buddy Heald until they figure out if they're going to make the playoffs or not like there's going to be a lot of people right now who are who are going to take this month of January to try and figure out all right what what setting up for the trade deadline what what will happen will they be buyers or sellers yeah, I mean, a lot needs to be determined, and oh. the West, the West is is very, very tight. Like I said, sorry, I had to compose myself for that comment. And the yeah, that, there was that, a that's comment a, in there. That, that's the first time we've gotten one of those. That's the first time we've gotten one. We've of made those. it, Frank. We have officially <laughs> we made, made it. We we got the creepy. We have the, the chat bots. We have the chat bots. We got bots, man. Uh, before we get into the end of the podcast, I just want to highlight how incredible it's been being at golden one center over the past week, because I personally, I mean, again, I, I, I've, I've worked there. I've worked there since 2017 in some way I, I work for them. And I, now I cover them. Chris, you've been there to countless games. I have never experienced it this way. And I I've been, I've really been to every home game since 2017. I have never, ever seen it this way right now. It's it's they're establishing a new record every night, a new attendance record every night. Standing room only last night. I think they let 400, 300 people in standing room last night. Uh, it's just my ears have like that weird feeling when, when like last night when I think it was the, when Davion forced that steal and Malik Monk had to lay in, it was deafening. Just yeah. incredible, incredible things we're seeing at Golden One Center. And uh, I'm excited for tomorrow night, Friday night, still holiday season i think it's going to be another one of those record-setting nights and uh just wanted to say shout out to king's fans for showing up in numbers man it's been so much fun just hearing hearing that place and how um it, it's just kind of reminiscent to how it was back at arco it's just, it's starting to kind of get into that category that that territory yeah no absolutely and i had last night in my notes during the first quarter uh it's funny that you mentioned how loud it was last night because in the first quarter uh i have in my notes when it was 22 to 9 uh, my note is crowd is actually completely silent. And like it was so strange because it was completely full. It was a full arena, 
but to hear the arena at complete 100% just dead energy and then for it to get rightfully so by the way not saying Kings fans were bad but they were playing like absolute garbage to start that game uh but for them in that same exact game to get to the point that you're talking about right now where it's deafening the entire place is rocking uh you know players all throughout this season have mentioned countless times how Oh man, that felt like a playoff atmosphere for a second there. Darren Fox last night in his post-game press conference makes an incredible statement saying that that this should be one of the best home court advantages in sports, period, not just in basketball. I mean, he, he's not wrong. I mean, just just the you the fact that you know, this team shows up every single night. I mean, after not knowing today if Demonis Sabonis was going to play, after the way that they played yesterday, for them to set an attendance record the following day um, just really speaks to how Kings fans are going to show up regardless. They're going to be loud if you give them something to cheer about. And, uh, I mean, they're just so passionate. Like, it really is different. Like, when you have a team that is used to success and fans that are used to success – it does numb you a little bit. Like you, you are only looking for highlight plays and only looking for them to get good and do well. Um, But the Kings fans, man, they'll show up win or lose. We've seen them lose more times than win here. We, if, if you just give us a good performance, if Davion Mitchell locks somebody up for two possessions in a row, I mean, that place will get rocking. I mean, we see how many times this season have we seen damn cookies, man, cookies giving this team momentum the fact that if a if a opposing player misses two free throws for that to legitimately and like it's real if you're in the building like again it'll go from complete silence the kings down 15 20 points and the fans will be cheering for those free cookies like it's the finals and these are game tying free throws or something like that and it's a real momentum boost if they miss the two free throws. And it happened last end. night. A couple times we've seen them get real on-court momentum from something so small like that. From so, crumble I mean, cookies. It's crumble incredible. cookies. And you even see how pumped up it gets the other players. DeAndre Jordan last night, he missed the first free throw. Place is going nuts. Nuts. He makes nuts. second makes second free throw and starts barking at the crowd. It's like yeah. the Nuggets are up by 17 points in the third quarter, and DeAndre Jordan's barking at the crowd just to shut the hell up about the cookies. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the crowd, like you said, it was it was a library. It was 181 Nuggets lead, 326 to go in the third quarter. Kings outscored Denver 46-26 the remainder of the game. But that mm-hmm. run at the end of the third, the crowd just got completely into it. And they were still trailing by 11 going to the fourth quarter. Kings are down by double digits going to the fourth, but you would think the Kings are up by 20 the way that that yeah. crowd gets going um, and credit to you know, the Kings entertainment crew and Scott fresh that get the crowd going at the beginning, right. beginning of every fourth and the Kings really needed it last night, but um, shout out to crumble cookies for Big giving these Kings cookies. and, and a not shout out to there. Did you hear those fans in front of us that were oh, chanting light oh, the beam when the Kings gosh. were down by six with like six yeah. minutes left? Yeah. But you know, they, you know maybe, maybe shout out to them though. Cause they knew, maybe they knew, I don't know. Yeah. You don't need the. I'm not a superstitious person, but like, let's not do that. That was bad. Like, let's no. just. I, I'm I not even a. Fa- I'm okay with saying light the beam, like like they did in the, in that Clipper game, that Clipper blowout, where it's like, okay, like 
sure we're blowing them out it's kind of like a, a big taunt and like a, a an f you to the fans like oh yeah we can chant light the beam with six minutes left and feel confident but like let's reserve light the beam chance for like the clock is literally ticking down and they're dribbling the ball at half court. Like Dude, Keegan calls it out every time. <laughs> Keegan is hilarious. Does he really? <laughs> well, the time he was like, uh, he, when he talks um the court side one with, with Mo, uh, PA announcer, Scott Mo, he always tells him, well, like you guys started doing it at the three minute mark. That was kind of a lot. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, then the next game, I did it with like six minutes left. I think it was against right. uh, like Indiana. He's like, well, yeah. this time it was six minutes. It just, I don't know. It, it's it's hilarious to see. Don't do it when they're down by sit when the Kings are trailing with yeah. like What's five that? minutes left. If Kings are by 20 with two minutes left, by all means, let it fly. Yeah. Let it fly. But if it's a yeah. close game, don't do it. Don't. Also, the, the no. MVP chance, too. I feel like the Kings have missed free throws every time there's an MVP champ. Like, Let's just not bring up free throws. Let's not bring up free throws. Yeah, well, okay. I- <laughs> I watched the uh, like I said I watched the uh, the game back once I got home last night. Very funny moment where uh, after Malik hits the second one after missing the first, they're walking back to the uh, to the huddle, and I see Herder just dying laughing as they walk back to the as they walk back to the huddle, and I know he said something like, "Bro, like we just like something something's in the air or something like that, bro." Because I if you're missing free Malik Monk who's shooting 91% from the free throw line this season. He was five of five leading into that trip. And then for him to split those, I mean, it, it Bro, was, he's, I mean, it could have been so sad if he missed them. <laughs> it would have before, been just the antithesis before that missed free throw. He was six in the NBA and free throw percentage. He's eighth now, but yeah. when he missed that, I just thought you gotta be kidding me. Like yeah. there's no way. Yeah, there's no way, but, uh, it was a fun one. It was a fun one. It was. It was that definitely made it, that like made it fun. I said uh, in the in the post game recap show that was the funnest win of the season, and honestly, one of the funner wins I think I've watched at Golden One Center. Oh yeah, I mean, I think ugly... I put that one top five, maybe top three, and I really can't think of of many other ones. The the re the the rewatch quality on that like final five six minutes uh, three yeah. minutes I guess really is off the charts. I'll rewatch that years from now. It was it was so much fun to watch that ending and as ugly as the game was for the first two three quarters, the Kings holding Denver to thirty nine percent from the field in the fourth is just huge to me. Hope they can carry that over. They face uh, the Jazz on Friday. That's a tough way to end the uh, the homestand. They've been playing pretty decent basketball this season. They kind of mm-hmm. hit a, a a rough stretch there. Um, I have to pull up exactly how they are playing right now, but I mean, they have some guys that have yeah, been, they've, they've cooled off a little bit, but not much. Uh, right now, they're the Utah Jazz. The, yeah, yeah, they're they're nineteen and eighteen. Uh, they've lost two in a row, but they have a positive point differential. Um, mm-hmm. They are not a good road team. They are a very good home team. They are seven and thirteen on the road. They're twelve and five at home. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Next, my last question to you is: If if the Kings can steal, not steal, but they can secure this win on Friday, and the homestand three and three, are you feeling optimistic? Are you happy with that result, or do you think they should have maybe finished it with a winning record? Like, are you kind of? I mean, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they should have. They should have finished with a winning record. I mean, when you look at look back at last week, the fact you know we don't need to talk about it, but the losses to the the Hornets and the Wizards. Um, though the Wizards are, are on, don't look now, but the Wizards are on a nice little roll. Um, still, you know, still nothing to write home about. But they've now beaten the Kings, the the Sixers, and the and the Suns in in consecutive games here. Um, 
you know, it, it, it was, you, they should have gone three and zero that week. I mean, those are two very winnable games, maybe two and one, maybe you say the wizards do have a lot of talent um, and, and they should have, you know, they deserve to lose that one. Or I think they did deserve to lose the Charlotte game. Um, but you know, whatever that's going to happen. They, they should have gone four and two in this nice little homestand, but uh, I'll take three and three. If they finish two and four, that's a real disappointment. Uh, the fact that they were able to split the nuggets is a success. I think uh, any, any way you look at it, if you're going against the top team in the Western conference um, and Demonis Sabonis is going to miss one of those games for you to split it. That's, that's taking care of business in my opinion. Uh, and, and Utah is, is going to be another tough task. The Kings can't overlook them. Um, <laughs> um, the Kings cannot overlook Utah because Utah is, is a real challenge and probably the second biggest surprise team in the NBA this year. They have two incredible shooting bigs in Laurie Markkinen and, and, uh, Kelly Olenek who will, who will give the Kings fits, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it was a solid homestand. The, the win against the Lakers was a great win just in terms of how they were able to do it. It was, it was really fun to watch them just dominate the Lakers, honestly. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the game last night, those were two really, really fun wins, but for sure the, the road trip had some disappointments, some ups and downs, but uh, you know, we're starting to get kind of into the meat of the season, the middle of the season. And, you're going to have these these lapses where, you know, you, you kind of just drop some games that you shouldn't drop and maybe win some games you shouldn't win. But the key to me is, is coming up in a couple weeks here. The Kings finally, uh, after after they go on uh, the road trip, not really a road trip, but after they're, they're finished with these next couple games here, they do have seven straight games against very winnable opponents. So that's really yeah. what I'm looking for is, is can they – can they really, you know, keep their heads above 500 for right now and then go into that that stretch after the Hawks game where they play the Lakers, the Magic, back-to-back against Houston, at San Antonio, at Los Angeles against the Lakers, and then play OKC. Like, that's seven straight games where you should realistically be going 5-2, and 6-1, and one, possibly 7-0 and oh, uh, during that stretch. So, so that's yeah. what I'm looking for finally at this moment. They have a lot of home games coming up too. There's another five game homestand after that two game road trip to open up the new year. Another five game homestand. They go on the road for two more, then another four game homestand before finally yeah. going on a seven game road trip. So a lot of home games coming up. This is like the bulk of their mm-hmm. home schedule. I mean, when they come back from that road trip and um, I think it comes around near the all-star break, I think they only have like mm-hmm. what nine, 10 home games left. So uh, they have a lot of home games coming up, but yeah, Chris, this, this is the time for them to take care of business. And if yep. Sabonis is going to be playing, this team has – there's no excuse. If, they, if, if everyone is healthy, knock on wood, healthy to, as they can be, um, it's a bonus part, and you're playing teams like the, the Lakers who are in shambles, the Magic, the Rockets twice, the Spurs, Lakers again, OKC, you have to win a majority of those games. Have to. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you can't then, then when will you? I mean, you can't bank on winning these games late in the year when you're playing – uh, you play Portland again. You have to play Phoenix a couple of times. Milwaukee again. Uh, Brooklyn is on fire right now. They play them again in March. You need to take yeah. care of business now to give you a little bit of cushion, especially mm-hmm. if there's a spurt of time where they're saying, hey, the Kings are going to shut down Sabonis for a week or two. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's out of the question at some point. They want to give him uh, a rest to kind of maybe handle the swelling and really get things to a point where he can play at a high level. We're, we haven't seen how he's responded to last night yet. There's no practice mm-hmm. today, no shoot around, anything Huge. like that. We don't know how he's feeling right now. We don't know if he's, he's – woke up with a, a club for a hand we don't know if he woke right. up feeling 
feeling healthy. So tomorrow's morning shoot around will tell us a lot on how he's feeling. If he's out there with a smile on his face and, and the hand taped up and he's shooting like usual, I think the Kings are in a really good spot. And if anything else, we'll see. But uh, the time is now. The time is now to make a push. Absolutely. Uh, is uh, is that it? Do you want to do awards or uh, yeah, let's wrap just, this thing up? Do some quick awards. Awards are pretty quick. Um, I think it's my turn this time. I think it's my it turn. It is. My turn. It is. My, my, my turn. All it's right. my turn. My it's turn. My, my turn. It's my turn. That's Skip, right? Uh, <laughs> Skip. Yes. Skip. Shout Skip. out Pele. By the way, Pele has passed away uh, I, at the age I, of 82. I just saw that, and that actually made me very upset. Shout out Pele. Um, rest in peace to Pele. Um, Demonis of bonus. I have to give him some love here. My king of the week. King of the week. Over the four games in the homestand. He did not play against Denver, as we all know, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So bonus during the homestand is ridiculous. 23 points per game, 17.3 rebounds, 8.5 assists, 56% from the field, 62% from three. Even with one hand, the man scores 31 points last night. He rebounded 10, 10 rebounds. Uh, the assists are still there. He's had 11 straight double doubles, leads the NBA in double doubles. I don't know what else you expect from the man. He is the king of the week. He is, he is inevitable. Inevitable. A lot of Thanos references. A lot of Thanos. Right. A lot of yeah. Thanos. Great villain. Great villain. My uh, my girlfriend uh, thinks that she under she understands what he was trying to do, and she agrees with him. And I still that's an argument we have a lot. Oh, that's a big uh, Bill Burr topic as well. Bill Burr in like all of his uh, comedy specials always talks about how we have a population issue. And I said, what if she, I always tell her, what if, what if I died? What if I was snapped? And she goes, hey, man. Oh, whatever. natural selection, boy. <laughs> uh, Thanos selection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give my king of the week. This is going to be a spiritual one. And it's more, I mean, the obvious one is Demonis bonus for all the reasons you, you laid out. I mean, playing with one hand, even though Marvin Bagley has been doing that, his whole career is still yet very impressive. Um, I'm going to give my king of the week. You know what? Like, like I said, we'll make it spiritual. I'm going to make it Jordy Fernandez. Shout out Jordy who comes into not an impossible situation, but a very difficult situation to manage where Tuesday it comes. I believe he learned, they all learned that day on Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you for, for understanding that uh, little dig. I threw that Marvin Brennan. Um learned on Tuesday that, that he was going to be the head coach with, with Mike Brown testing positive for COVID. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine how hectic that day must have been just in terms of game prep. I'm sure they tried to keep it as normal as possible. Jordy still worked out. Uh, I believe Trey Lyles is his is his workout partner yeah. or the guy that he warms up uh, in pregame. So, you know, for, for him to go through all of that and then still coach the game, the Kings had a 20-point lead at one point. Let's not talk about the fact that they blew that lead. Um, you know, I just overcoming all of that and then the next night having his team ready, having them not feel down about blowing that 20-point lead. And as a matter of fact, doing the complete opposite, keeping his team engaged uh, while down by 19 in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, they were down by 19 uh, to still have the team believing in him, uh, instilling that belief, and for them to to complete that 19 point comeback uh, against his former team, you know the team that he he sat on the bench for last year under Mike Malone. I'm sure it felt incredible for Jordy, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, uh, Jordy is just like Jordy's an all timer. We got to you know 
get to know his personality a little bit in, in Vegas during summer league. And um, I think that dude is, is, I don't know if he's actually going to be a head coach at some point in this league, but absolutely deserves to to have a shot because he 100% knows basketball. And I think uh, his players absolutely love him. Like Jordy just seems like a, like an, like an hall of fame guy. There's a lot of hall of fame guys, people on this, uh, on this Kings team, not necessarily a hall of fame you know, Bass Naismith Hall of Famers, but just yeah. Hall of Fame humans. Uh, and Jordy is absolutely one of them. So I'm, I'm going to give mine to Jordy Fernandez. Also, shout out the Kings, who I think I saw on the broadcast last night. This is their fifth 15-plus point comeback on the season. Okay. Good stuff. That, that's, I did not expect it to be that many. But uh, shout out Jordy. Shout out Mike Brown. Get well soon. Um, right. It sounds like he's not feeling uh, many symptoms and he should be back sooner than later. So that's good news. Yeah. Um, oh, I saw that- a meme last night. It was, it had me dead. It was like Mike Brown watching this game at home and it's like a dude like leaping through his teeth. <laughs> just like that visual sparked like a whole stream of consciousness where I was just like, yeah, like what is Mike Brown? What's the experience of Mike Brown watching this game on TV? Like he's got to be just like, Screaming. Screaming, like hollering at his television. I cannot, just a lot of claps. Like, you know, I mean, you know, as, as someone, just, you know, the difference of you and I of watching the game at the arena versus watching the game at home, I'm sure like yeah. you're a lot more animated, a lot more mm-hmm. emotional, angry, happy, excited uh, when you're watching at home just because you're able to, you know, kind of freely get all those emotions out without any criticism but yeah, we, we we um, bottle up a lot we bought we bottle up right. bottle up a lot on media row we give each other right. a lot of looks we give each other a lot of like the oh yeah <laughs> like you see that Ooh. a lot yeah, of a lot looks. of looks yeah a lot of looks uh, uh so i cannot i just that gave me a lot of joys just thinking if, if you're ever down or feeling feeling sad about something just think about mike brown watching that king's comeback and just how how crazy he must have been he, he probably has pr- like definitely a... puts a smile on my face he probably has like a pool house or something that he goes out and just puts together. He, <laughs> yeah, he, for sure. he probably isn't allowed to right. watch it in the house. Right. I'm sure his family's like, you need to get out of here. You, ha- you have to leave. You need you're to leave. Just, you're scaring the dogs and, and scaring everybody. That's, that's probably, he probably watches by himself and some peace and quiet of his own yeah. Oh, yeah, quarters. For sure. Um, do we want to do Coke machine? I feel like it's wrong to do Coke machine. I don't know why it feels so wrong to do Coke machine nowadays. Like it used to be like, oh, I definitely have a Coke machine. I don't know about King um, of the Week, but now I will. Just, I mean, they didn't even play well. This I think week, it's you know, I, all I, things considered. I think it's always fun to give it to something. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. Let me think. Not who a deserves, player specific. Who deserves? Who deserves oh, the, I got this. Beautiful. Okay, you got it. You take it. I got it. Take I got this. Hold on. I got to set this up perfectly. You're Where is it, it? Where is it? Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> I'm giving it. <laughs> that... I'm giving it to our guy. Our guy. <laughs> this is the last time I'm going to mention it because I do feel bad. <laughs> I feel like I have been giving Matt way. I feel like Matt has gotten the, Matt is... the an overboard in terms of criticism for this because in in Matt's defense, he did nothing any different than what I would do. I don't know if you would do it, Frank, but but like it was just like it was definitely not an insult, but like it was a critique on De'Aaron Fox's play. Uh, Matt George saying that that Lamelo Ball had De'Aaron Fox on skates, 
it was a little aggressive. It was definitely a take, but not something that you would expect for a player to see, respond to, and then continue to reply with going on a thread about how wrong you are. Um, <laughs> so my Coke machine of the week is 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 not Matt George, not De'Aaron Fox, but just the entire situation, the entire thread of it, because I don't know. It's just it was, it's a really it, funny situation. This is just more my way. It <laughs> wasn't all it's, it wasn't all timer. And I'll just say this: uh, not just De'Aaron Fox, but ath- a lot of athletes in general. They they see a lot. They see a they lot see a of lot. things. They not they just see... from you and me, Frank. They see everything everybody they see if you're joe schmo with four followers like they might not see every tweet you have but if you if you at somebody or if you put their name out there yeah yeah i uh i definitely think that they have they have a radar for these kinds of things but it was a funny exchange i enjoyed watching it uh matt is is getting back in the good graces of of (laughs) everybody's trying to at least and uh God bless the guy for it. Love you, Matt. And uh, you know, we uh we'll move forward. Matt will move forward. He'll be all right. But it was a fun it was a fun time. The skates the, the record, skates will live the skates will live on. They will absolutely live on. And and I, I know for a fact people will not let him live it down just as they have not let him live live down the double down experience. No. Uh we just I I really feel the caveat of having to say that. We both love Matt George. Matt is yeah. <laughs> Matt is incredible. We worked with Matt uh, here at Sacktown when he was uh, here at Sacktown Sports, then KHK 1140. Uh, Matt is actually a really, really good dude. And I know, yes. uh, you know, I mean, people people hate on Matt more than I think almost as much as, as any other media member. There's one specific that definitely gets a lot more hate. But yes, uh, Matt absolutely does not deserve it. Matt busts his butt for every single thing he's done. And uh, to see where he's at right now, like his his following with the Locked On podcast, what he's doing with ABC 10, uh, I'll be the first to tell you. And I think everyone w- would acknowledge that, like we I didn't see this path happening for Matt George, but uh, he he has absolutely carved out a great uh, following for himself. And he is absolutely killing it. Like he <laughs> he is also a prophet, too, as as Brendan puts in here, because uh, Matt. Yeah, we we had no, an experience no. in Vegas, but Matt, right. Matt is a ten out of ten dude. Fellow fellow king of of the week, Matt George. Uh, right. <laughs> the 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 skates comment aside, this man uh, has again. It's it's someone like you said. We knew at eleven forty. Uh, we've tried to follow in, in his footsteps and kind of try to to form our right. own road to get to where we are today too. And uh, he's gonna be part of that. It's been fun to work with him. Fun to work with yeah. him now. Uh, more closely even than we did when we were at 1140 because you and I were doing yeah. different things at 1140 at the time. We were more on the promotion side. Uh, now we're in more of, of the broadcasting and, and the digital side. Uh, so it's fun to kind of be on that level playing field with Matt or, or mm-hmm. not quite level because he's... Don't get a twisted. We're coming for him. He's mad. We, I, we there, will take him down. There's beef. There's still beef. We love him, but there's beef. Yeah. You know, there's beef. We don't have to go into it. There's literal beef because we have hot dogs every game in the media dining room. And just so everyone knows... This is I don't know how public this information actually it's super public because I definitely put my name on it. But I I edited that double down music video. So just as if you want to give Matt George hate, you have to give me equal hate because, yeah, I made that thing happen (laughs) and be released. Look what you've created. Look what you created. (laughs) Literally, you're just watching everyone uh, 
go at him and yeah. you're just sitting there just with your feet kicked up like, like i wonder yeah, who made that it guy. what a dweeb wonder, right that wonder, guy Ugh. who made that video <laughs> i have no uh, idea yeah maybe one day i'll do a live stream where i just like show all of the raw footage from that day because there's some, you, you, you should watch it with matt clips. and like you should do a live show with oh, matt a great and idea watch it uh <laughs> yeah matt calling uh luca clown that was yeah. that was that was classic um at least we didn't get a triple down right well luca got more than a triple down this week boy oh boy yeah uh i mentioned on my show this week uh, let's let's just wrap this uh i talked on my on kings weekly this week about how i just like want to leave like it was part of my new year's resolutions i don't want to talk about the past anymore i don't want to talk about the tyrese halliburton modest bonus trade i don't want to talk about luca over marvin how do you feel about just like that conversation of like people who are still to this day agonizing over the fact that we passed on Luca. Like, should we move on or like, like how do I feel people that are agonizing? Yeah. I mean, it's fair to be upset about it. I mean, I, I can't say that there isn't like a, what? a yes. portion of my brain that still isn't like, wow. Like I can't believe the Kings really did that. Um, yeah. Because again, I've like I'll say it every time I go on the podcast, I'm not afraid to admit I was Team Bagley when they drafted Mar- when they had the decision. I just thought the Kings should go with Bagley, and it's a decision that I have come to be very, very regretful of. I've, I I uh, was young and stupid, but um, yeah, I think it's fair to be upset about it. But at a certain point, you do have to move on. And while there always will be that Kings kind of tied to Luca aspect of it, the same way how. Um, you know, the Blazers drafted Greg Oden over Kevin Durant. There are there are similar things right. that have happened in NBA history before. The Kings missed out on a on a probable Hall of Famer, a probable MVP winner, and that's that's just it. Gotta move on. But Kings are in a good spot, playing their best basketball in twenty years. Um, and I am I'm happy about that. But right. yeah, that, I mean that's yeah. still a, yeah. I think that KD point is a great one. Like you don't hear Blazer, I mean, I, I'm obviously not hanging out in Portland too much, but I don't hear Blazer fans constantly saying like, "Oh, like we took Greg." O-. I mean, I'm sure it definitely happened, and I'm sure it was for a brief period of time that they were like, "Oh, we really took Greg Oden over Kevin Durant." But you know, I think they're they're perfectly not totally happy with where they're at now. But you know, they they got Damian Lillard, they got CJ McCollum. It's about not letting this one major decision be, you know, the the catalyst for. 15 more years of demise like you can't it's just more just like you yeah like that happened it sucked i knew in the moment it sucked but at some point you can't keep pointing at it like ugh. like remember when we skipped on luca like let's just keep killing ourselves and when he goes and has something that only wilt chamberlain or not even wilt chamberlain has done with a 60 20 10 game my mind, the first thing that my mind goes to is not, oh, he should have done that for the Kings. Like, that's just so far removed that it's just like, I feel like people still have the, it's not, it's just like you got to move on at some point. Like, it's just, there, yeah. it's not doing you any good dwelling on the what ifs. Like, I don't know. It's time. It's time to, to, you know, we have to have like a, we're having fun now, you know? Yeah. I mean, to bury a, a Kings Luca jersey or something. Just bury it somewhere in downtown Sacramento, and let's and let me tell you, move on. Luca. Also, I guarantee, if Luke, if we would have had Luca, there would have been people. Luca's not like the funnest player to to have on. Like individually, for sure. I mean, watching him score sixty, twenty, ten, but like 
you look at you know he he he's not the 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 he he complains about every call. I'm not going to go here and say I would want Luka Doncic. We're on slippery slope, but, Chris. Yeah, I know. Right. What I'm saying is Marvin Bagley really wasn't that bad of a pit. No. He didn't complain to the refs. But no, I, I, I will say. Uh, Having Luca the player, I yeah, the complaining will be tough to watch, but we yeah. all know it. We would no, I mean, absolutely, the boogie thing. Give him the just call. Just because you have Luca doesn't call. mean you're, the Kings are 100% going to be championship winners in two years. Like you see, Dallas and Dallas has not done a good job at all of of building around him. But uh, you know, Dallas is is Dallas is below the Kings right now in the standings, and you know, yeah. yes, they reached the Western Conference Finals last year, but. Um, you know that I don't. We don't just know because you have Luca doesn't necessarily mean you have success. It's and it's, if anyone would have ruined that experience, guess who it would have been? The Sacramento Kings. Yeah, they would have found a way to. They would have found a way to ruin things. I mean, that does. That means Fox is probably not here. That means Halliburton would never never was here. That means Sabonis trade doesn't happen. Maybe we're looking at Luca right now with Willie Cauley Stein on his extension and. Oh yeah, like I don't know. Rudy Gay is still here. I don't know. It's something weird. <laughs> right. Like, so, I don't know. I don't know. The point is, Kings playing basketball. Right. They won That's a great a game, and we're moving on. We're on to we're on Let's to Utah. It. Yep, yep. Let's do it. Uh, that will be wrapping up today's live stream. Thank you all for uh, everyone who hopped in here again. You can join us uh, most Thursdays, if not every Thursday, uh, right here on Sacktown Sports Eleven Forty Twitter page on the Sacktown Sports Eleven Forty YouTube page as well. You can also catch the Return of the Roar podcast on anywhere that you get your podcast from. Spotify, Apple Music are the two main ones. Um, uh, yeah, you know, like like Frank mentioned, they they play Utah on Friday. They play the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday on New Year's Day. Uh, Frank, Happy New Year! Do you have any any non Kings related um, uh, what was it called New Year's resolutions? Uh, happy New Year! Happy twenty twenty three! I a New Year's resolution. I really will try to skip the second cookie at games, if I mm. but mm. that's a good one. I think I'm gonna break that one on January fourth, the first home game of the year. So I'm I'm already anticipating breaking it. I'm gonna break I got it. You. I'm not gonna do that's it. That's a good one. I'm, I'm gonna not. try and get my ranch to salad ratio better in twenty twenty. We're gonna work on that. We're gonna, we're gonna work we're gonna, on it. We're gonna clean up our media room dining habits. Yeah. That, that's our goal for 2023. Uh, be sure to uh, check next Thursday to see if we stay true to those resolutions. For Frankie Cardicelli, my name is Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening. Go Kings, and uh, bye-bye. Peace.